Hi folks, Bob Main here with another episode of today's survival show. Helping you do what you can with what you have, wherever you are. This is a practical prepping show. I'm just a practical guy. I don't go tinfoil hat on you. I just keep this rooted in common sense. That's the way I like these shows to be. So this is kind of an attitude show and I'm really sorry that I haven't put up a show and I looked at the calendar and I looked at the last time I posted a show was in March. I'm real sorry about that. I haven't neglected prepping. I haven't neglected everything. I still do as much as I possibly can and I do what I can with what I have wherever I am. It's just been, well, most of you know, uh, it's just been covered. I've been covered up. Busy, busy, busy. I am back to work full time now. Praise God for that. Uh, I am on the road to recovery. The Lord is the great healer. And right now I'm cancer free. I'm a little bit nervous. Next week I have to go to MD Anderson in Houston for my checkup for three different tests, cancer screenings and things like that. So... Uh, please please keep me in your prayers that they will be clear and that I'll remain cancer-free, but I am dealing with my wife's ALS challenges. Oh, well, you know what? God tests us, and uh, this is kind of an appropriate week, or uh, excuse me, an appropriate topic this week because I'm working on my attitude, and my attitude is relatively positive right now. So recently Mexican Joe sent me about a, you know, 15 to 18 minute podcast on your cup is half full. And a lot of people, you know, I I've always said that that survival and prepping and mainly survival and self-reliance in a large part it is an attitude and it's psychological. You know, if you if you feel like you're psychologically beat and there's a disaster, folks, you are. And so I am going to talk a little bit about that. I have an introduction and a conclusion to Mexican Joe's submission. And you're going to hear his voice clip that he sent me in its entirety shortly. So I'd like to discuss what what you can do to help keep a good attitude while you're prepping. Because, you know, Lord knows I've had to have a good attitude. And there are bad days, you know. All, all of the strength and everything that I have and all of the focus that I have and everything... You know, a lot of people compliment me and say, Oh, Bob, you know, you're you're an inspiration, you're resilient and everything, given everything that you have to go through. Hey, folks, that all comes from God. That all comes from the Lord. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I have a deep faith. Um, I, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And you know what? That all comes from Him. I... Take my talents that I have been given, and I put them together, and I talk to you about prepping and self-reliance and survival on this show, and I talk about guns over at the Handgun World podcast. But I want to talk about goal setting. I've covered this before, but I think it's time for a refresher. One thing that will help you in your prepping activity is if you set SMART goals. This will help your attitude, and actually, it'll help you with your, with your preparations. SMART goals. Now, SMART is an acronym. S-M-A-R-T is an acronym for how your goals should be. This kind of takes me back to my earlier days as a young adult 
when I was in the seminar business and I did some public speaking and a little bit of motivation and some sales training, quite a bit of sales training. I did it for a living as a young man. I'll cover that some more someday and talk to you a little bit about what I did. But how many of you have ever done this, set some goals? How many of you have ever written your goals down? Or even just set some prepping goals. Say, hey, you know what? I want to have this much water stored by this date. I want to have this much food stored by this date. I want to have this much ammunition by this date. I want to start my garden by this date, and here's what I ended up, here's what I intend to harvest from that garden. Well, sometimes people set goals the wrong way. And I want to talk about the first letter of the acronym in the letter S. Uh, for smart goals, which they've got to be specific. S is for specific. Your goals have to be specific. You have to actually define them. You can't just say, I'm going to start a garden this year. Be specific. What are you going to plant? How much of each are you going to plant? What do you expect? How much harvest do you expect? And write it down. Even if it's a range, make it a narrow range. You know, don't put in tomatoes and say, well, I expect to get some tomatoes this year. How many tomato plants and how many tomatoes? Okay, and make them, write them down. Even if you make a note on your iPhone or your Android phone or you start a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet or whatever, and just do all this on your computer, you can do that. It's not that difficult, but be specific. See, the problem is, is if you don't be specific, then you don't know how to measure yourself. Does that make sense? Which leads me into the M. In SMART goals, you have to have the measurable. Measurable. That's what M stands for. you got to be able to measure. If you say, well, okay, I'm going to plant six tomato plants, and I'm just going to pull a number out of the air. Let's say you, you say, I want to get 30 tomatoes. 30 tomatoes from my six tomato plants. Okay, it might be more, it might be less, depending on where you go, where uh, where you grow, what you know, how much how much you water them, how much rain you've been getting, blah blah blah, how much fertilizer, compost, everything else like that. But now you have a measurable goal because you made it specific. And you know, when you're at 11 tomatoes and you know your goal is 30, well now you know you're getting you're a little bit more than a third of the way there. And that's a motivator because if you can measure along the way, you get these little bits of motivation. You know, don't and don't write down. I want to store 185 gallons of water in the next three weeks. Okay, because I mean, you can measure that, but that's not very realistic. And I'm going to get to that. I mean, I don't know, maybe it's realistic you can store 185 gallons of water in the next three weeks. But for most people, it's not. So make sure you have a measurable goal and do measure it. Try to measure your goals every two or three weeks. See where you're, out. See where you're at. Or maybe you and your spouse, if you have one, you sit down on a once-a-month basis and you measure your goals. So then the A in smart goal setting is achievable. They got to be achievable goals. So, you know, I mentioned, yeah, well, I want to put away 185 gallons of water in, in 3 weeks. Well, for most people, that's not real achievable and it's not real are realistic. So I want to kind of put achievable and realistic together because they kind of go together. You will depress yourself if you set non-achievable and non-realistic goals. Would you agree with me on that? 
you'll depress yourself. And this is about the cup is half full and a, and a good psychological attitude. And I've talked about it before. Even if your preps start small. Even if you start with just small, simple preps. And they're, they're smart. I mean, they're, they're specific, they're measurable, and they're achievable. And they're realistic. That motivates you. Then you can look at that and say, oh, well, hey, look what we've done. Look what we've got prepared. Or look what I've done. And now it motivates you to set the next goal a little bit higher. Push that bar just a little bit higher. But the first ones have to be achievable and they have to be realistic. And then the T is they've got to be time sensitive. you got to put a date. you got to put a time. You can't just say, well... You know what? I think I want to store an extra six months worth of food this year. I want to put away enough food for an extra six months. Well, this year is kind of vague. All right? Make it more time sensitive than that. Okay? By when this year? Or if you're going to look at the next 12-month period... You know, how much do you want to have the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter of that year? Break it down a little bit more time sensitive than just something vague like, well, I want to do this within a year. Because within a year, you know what will happen? You'll wait until about the 340th day of that one year and you'll say, oh, guess what? <laughs> um, uh, gee, I'm not very close to this goal here. So don't procrastinate. And that's one of the things, if you make your goals time sensitive... It, uh, it helps to avoid procrastination. It doesn't cure procrastination. I'm a 100% believer that procrastination is an incurable disease. Okay? There's no cure for procrastination. Every human being has it. Come on, don't lie. Uh, be, be honest with yourself. And that's the other thing. That's the other thing. Alright? Good preppers are honest. Okay? They're honest with other people. And then they're also honest with who? That's right. Themselves. So, tell the truth to yourself. Um, and, and, and you are a procrastinator. Nearly everybody is a procrastinator. I don't know too many people that haven't. I've done it. I'll throw my hand up in the air, humble myself, and say, I'm a procrastinator. But if you make your goals time-sensitive, and they're smart, they're smart goals, it really does work. It really does work, and it makes them, it makes you less prone to procrastination. So, I have a conclusion. I'll share that with you shortly. Let's take a quick break, and let's listen to what Mexican Joe had to say about attitude and keeping your cup half full. I don't know what to say, really. Three minutes to the biggest battle of our professional lives all comes down to today. Either we heal as a team or we're going to crumble. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. We're in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me. And we can stay here, get the shit kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell. 
one inch at a time. Now, I can't do it for you. I'm too old. I look around, I see these young faces, and I think, I mean, I made every wrong choice a middle-aged man can make. I, uh, I pissed away all my money, believe it or not. I chased off anyone who's ever loved me. And lately, I can't even stand the face I see in America. You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of life. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff. You find out life's this game of inches. So is football. Because in either game, Life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. <laughs> On this team, we fight for that itch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that itch. We claw with our fingernails for that itch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. It's the guy who's willing to die who's going to win that itch. And I know if I'm going to have any life anymore, it's because I'm still willing to fight and die for that itch. Because that's what living is. The six inches in front of your face. Now I can't make you do it. You gotta look at the guy next to you. Look into his eyes. Now I think you're gonna see a guy who will go that inch with you. You're gonna see a guy who will sacrifice himself for this team because he knows when it comes down to it, you're gonna do the same for him. That's the team, gentlemen. And either we heal now as a team, or we will die as individuals. That's football, guys. That's all it is. Now, what are you going to do? Hi, Mexican Joe here with Northeast Texas Preppers, here to uh, uh, do a little uh, interview here. Uh, I just want to talk about a couple things, and I'm sure Bob will want to expand on them, but I want to kind of kick this off. Uh, it's kind of something that's come to uh, to my attention that we're 
there's problems with with uh, people in general, but also with preppers. And preppers need to really have the upper hand on this. Um, being optimistic. You always have to be optimistic about what's going on. Um, I see a lot of preppers that when they start prepping, some of them actually get depressed because, oh my God, the sky is falling. We're going to have an EMP, a CME. The government's going to collapse. Uh, Aztec calendar, whatever it is. And you, you just got to stay optimistic about stuff. Um, it's you're, What you're doing is you're prepping in case there's a problem. Okay, and then you hope that there never is. Um, the mindset of a prepper is to be prepared for the worst and hope for the best. Uh, you may be planning for government collapse, CME, EMP, like I said, uh, or whatever your, whatever your catastrophe is. It may never come. And we really hope to God that it doesn't. But when those things do happen... Uh, or if it's just an ice storm, or the power goes out for a while, or it's a hurricane, or a tornado, or where, wherever it is, you know, depending on wherever you are, um, you'll be prepared. Uh, you'll, you know, you'll have your your stuff and your backups and your preps to help you get through. Um, I'm going through my notes here. Um, so to be productive, you need to be proactive and not reactive. Um, one of my favorite sayings is "Keep your glass half full." Um, your glass shouldn't be half empty. Um, so don't worry about what you can't change. Uh, if something does end up happening, uh, react to it in a positive way and look at it from the upsides uh, and don't focus on the downside. If you focus on the downside of what's going on, whether it be a storm, a car breaks down, whatever, if you focus on the downside and you've got people around you, uh, your family, your kids, your spouse, it, they're going to catch that. It's contagious. And once you go down a panicked road, it is hard to bring people back. It's usually easier to play it off and show them the upside of things. Um, so stay away from that glass half empty and try to stay with the glass half full. Um, I know a bunch of us are veterans out there, and we've learned this. is like, okay, if it happens, something happens, you break down, you're in the middle of nowhere, something goes wrong, just suck it up and deal with it. Uh, we got to do what we got to do. Um, if your car breaks down, you're not going to get out of where you are unless you do something. If you sit there and wait for somebody to come and save you, and you're not where somebody, you know, in the city where somebody can see you, you may be there a while if you're going to wait. So you might as well be reactive and, and, and do something about it. Um, there will be times when you do have to react, um, but because you've been proactive before, your reactions and options will be far greater than if you had not planned at all. Uh, because you've been practiced. You've practiced stuff, whether it be whatever it is, uh, backup power, solar power, uh, canning, uh, so you have backup food, um, rain catchment, stuff like that. Um, how to make a fire. There, there's a really good one. A lot of people just think it's really easy just to grab a match and make a fire. Um, we did one where we did rocket stoves, and we did it wrong for a little bit and trying to figure it out, and then we kind of figured out what we were doing wrong. So practice this stuff, and then when you do need it, you'll be practiced at it, and you won't panic. Uh, panicking, is, like I said, is a bad thing. Uh, I kind of come up with a couple of scenarios here just to kind of throw at you, and you can kind of fill in the blanks when you come up with your scenario. Uh, if you're trying something, irregardless of what it does, and it, and it doesn't work, or you're not super successful, or you're not as successful as, as other people have been with it, 
uh, whether it be a skill or whatever it is, um, or just doesn't come up to your expectations or kind of what you saw on YouTube or whatever, um, then stop and look at what happened. Uh, what went good with it and what, what, what did not go so well. And then work to make the things that were unsuccessful on it better and learn to make the things that were successful even stronger to make up for shortcomings. Um, if everything you try works out every time, uh, and, and you just, you're just amazing and everything you works, works exactly as it said every single time, then you're just amazing. You're just, you're just it. Uh, you're the man. But the rest of us, it's called learning. Uh, you have to learn the techniques and the tricks so you can perform whatever the tasks are better. So don't let it get you down. I mean, we always say that, you know, you know, Edison showed how to, how to not create a light bulb a thousand times, but he only got it right once. You know, so that kind of proves that, you know, you're going to get it wrong before you get it right. So you should not just get, get discouraged. Keep your cup half full. Um, I've been to classes where I've ton, where I've learned a ton of stuff, and then I've been to classes where I've only learned a little bit. But I always kind of keep my my cup half full with it, because even if a lot of it is review for me, and I know with Bob and a bunch of the tr training classes he takes uh, uh, with Mag Forty and them, a lot of those are redundant for him, but he still gets a lot out of it. You got to keep your ha your cup half full. Uh, I enjoy it both because I get to look and see uh, what I've gained, uh, maybe how much more advanced I may be than other people in classes like that, um, and also it gives me a new perspective to see things that maybe I didn't see or I didn't understand. Uh, recently, me and Dave, uh, Super Dave, uh, and Amazon, we went to a pistol class uh, with Bob and Ben, and it was it was really a pretty good class, and I really enjoyed it. Um, it, I got a bunch of little things out of it, uh, just some new techniques that, you know, I hadn't tried a different way uh, and that. But one of the ones that really sticks out for me is something that Ben, ben had mentioned. Uh, ben had said, if you think about doing something, it should already be done. Now, in that case, it came to if you think you should reload, you should already be reloaded or be in the middle of the reload. So that was a really strong point, and that, that really told me something. I mean, like... That just jumped out at me. If, you, if you're thinking about doing something, just do it. Okay? It's better to make a decision and the decision to be wrong than not to make a decision at all, is what I got from it. It's something that somebody told me in the military a long time ago. Um, I did something. It was, a, it was a bad call. It didn't work out. But if I hadn't done anything, then doing nothing would have been worse than doing something and doing it wrong. So, again, you know, just move forward on things. Um... Another case that I came up with like, is if you have a loss of a job, um, don't look at the downside. Just look at the upside. You have to move forward. Immediately go, go apply for unemployment and start your new job search. Uh, talk to your friends. See if they've heard anything about any openings. You know, sit down and think about it. Discuss it with your spouse. You know, you know kind of look at it this way. I was looking for a good job when I found that one. So now I want to go back to looking for a good job. You know, kind of, you know, take it, take it kind of light. Um... Think about the stuff that you disliked about that job and that now you're not going to be affected by. You know, maybe it's bad hours, bad environment, or you just didn't like the people. You know, in the next job, try to find something that you like to do. Um, in my job, it's not a job. It's something I really enjoy doing. So it's never really work. I really enjoy what I do. Um, 
and you know, I hope I hope I never lose a job. But if I do, I'll just move on to something else. It's it's just I can't sit there and cry about it. If I do, nothing's going to change. Okay, so keep moving on. Another case I came up with was if you had like something like a tree limb comes through a window or a roof during a storm, and we get that out here in Northeast Texas quite a bit. We get storms and some pretty serious winds, not like maybe the Gulf Coast or stuff, but uh, we do get some storms. Uh, first thing you want to do is stop. Ensure everyone's okay. Uh, dressing accord dress accordingly to, to the situation outside and get outside and cover the opening whether it be the roof or, or a window or whatever it is to stop the outside air from coming in so therefore you don't have more damage and more things going on um, and just do that until you can get to a hold of the insurance company and a professional to repair it um, sitting there crying about it and whining about it, it's not going to get the, get it fixed immediately you just have to patch it get it out of the way or another, another thing you could do is just Close the door to the room and stay out of the room and let that room endure whatever it has to endure and just keep your family safe and just deal with it from that end. Just move forward. Uh, another case I came up with is, and this one, this one's a little grim, but I've been told I'm kind of a robot at times, is the case of an illness or even death. Uh, I know that a lot of us deal with this kind of stuff. Uh, I've got aging parents. Uh, I help out with my dad. Um, just different things like that. People get sick. You know, there's accidents, uh, you know, and illnesses where people die. Um, if there's an if there's an illness or an injury, uh, you have to believe that everyone will be okay. Uh, keep reassuring people that everything's going to be okay, because in the end, it's going to be okay. It may not be the way you want it to turn out, but it's going to be okay. Uh, thinking that worse won't help anything. It'll make it worse for everyone, especially the person who's sick or injured. Uh, they're going to need positive reinforcement. You know, if, if the, you sit there and, you know, you, you just, oh, man, you look bad. Man, I don't know. I don't think you're going to make it. I, I don't think that's really going to help them out a whole lot. Now, on a side note, we, the guys that I hang out with, all of us, we joke around like that, and it's kind of a way to jack with each other, and I'm sure you've seen it in movies, you know, where it's like, man, that that's that, that cut is not going to get you girls. So don't even try it. You know, just joking around with each other and we keep it lighthearted. That's why guys in the military do that. They keep it lighthearted to kind of get you laughing. You know, lift your spirits a little bit. You know, we all know that this could be bad. So just lift the spirits, you know, cup half full. If it is a death, it will always be sad. Uh, death is just sad. I mean, we, we don't want to see people die. But uh, you got to think about what the, what the good times that, that you had with that person. Or if you've got something terminal, you got to make make even more good times. Uh, now, but if, if somebody does die, you know, you got to look at the upsides of, you know, what did you learn from that person? Look, you know, look at how much happiness they brought you. Uh, just neat stuff like that. I mean, I know my dad is real into the to the kids and the grandkids and see the little kids. That's just his thing. He, he just digs watching them, you know, and he's up, he's up in his seventies and he just, that's his thing. He likes the kids and he likes doing stuff with the kids. Um, the reality of death is death becomes a threat the moment you're born. The moment you're born, every minute is a step closer to, to you dying. Okay, Every day we live, we're one day closer to the day of our death. That's nothing to be scared of. It's a fact of life. You can't change it and probably wouldn't want to if you could. You just, you're not going to change it. Everybody, everybody who came in is going to go out. So, remember the good times... You know, and without the good time, without the bad times, you wouldn't have good times. 
So I just kind of like wanted to touch base with everybody and just keep your cup half full. I see you know a lot of people that just want to whine about every little thing and like you know you're putting yourself in a worse mood. You know, and then if something else happens right behind it, oh my God, that makes it even worse. And then you're gonna you're gonna start finding stuff, and every little thing is a little bitty thing, but you're turning it into this huge mountain that it's not. As each thing happens, take it, assess it, figure out what to do about it, at least get a plan down, or just set it on a shelf and let it sit while you while you figure it out. I've had problems where I don't know what to do about them, and I just shelf them. There's nothing I can do about them at the moment. So I just leave them alone. And then the next day or a day or two later, I've had some sleep. I've had some rest. I've got my mind off it and boom. You know, it just jumps into my brain. Well, duh, I could have done this. Okay, I'll go do that. That'll fix the problem. So you can't dwell on it, okay? When you dwell on problems and you keep your cup half empty, uh, your blood pressure goes up. It's not healthy. Uh, it's contagious to your family and people around you. Um, so always try to stay positive. Keep your cup half full. Um, I've had canning incidents where I've been canning and it not work out. Uh, we still joke around that I've got a couple cases of jelly that I made that didn't solidify like jelly's supposed to. Um, for whatever reason, uh, I think I cut the sugar back too far because it was too sweet for me. Um, I didn't use quite as much pectin as I was supposed to. I was trying to stretch my pectin out. So between the two, it, it's kind of runny. But when I'm doing jalapeno uh, jelly with cream cheese, I don't really mind it being a little runny, so it doesn't, it's not really all that big a deal. And I'm looking at the upside. You know what? Liquid jelly that's not real hard and thick spreads on my toast and my, and my biscuits a lot better. So don't whine about little stuff. Just roll with it and keep going. Well... That was just a couple of things I think I've been thinking about, and I want to kind of pass on. Um, just keep rolling with the punches, uh, keep your chin up, keep looking at what's positive in your life and what's positive in something bad. Find find the find the good in the bad, and you'll be fine. And just keep moving on. All right, this is Mexican Joe. Uh, I'm sure Bob will have uh, uh, the other half of this to jump in here and see see his point of view, and we'll go from there. Uh, thanks again, Bob, and thanks to everybody, and keep on listening. All right, thank you, Joe. Very nice job. Hey, by the way, folks, I am in the mobile studio, and I'm driving in the pouring rain. Uh, I don't worry, I'm being safe, but if you hear a little background noise, that's uh, mainly what you're hearing. I want to conclude the show by talking a little bit about travel preparedness. This is just kind of a topic I really didn't plan on, for, on, on talking about, but since, since I'm getting ready to take some trips here pretty soon, I want to talk about some travel preparedness. It's some things that I've been doing lately. I don't know how many of you travel, but sooner or later, somebody's going to travel somewhere. And let me talk about some portable preps that you can easily take along with you. First of all, I take plenty of flashlights with me. Normally, I've got two and sometimes three flashlights with me. Now, a flashlight always goes on the airplane with me. Always, always, always. i got a Surefire flashlight that's got the crenulated bezel. Never had a problem. They've never questioned it, never asked me. Of course, my plan is... My plan is, if TSA ever asks me why I got this flashlight, I'm just going to say, because I'm afraid of the dark. 
<laughs> and we'll see we'll see what they have to say about that. <laughs> or, uh, well, gee, uh, in case this plane goes down and I can't see and I survive, I want to be able to see what I'm doing. No, I, <laughs> I don't want to talk about that either. Um, <laughs> TSA agent may not take that too kindly, but hey, I'm just afraid of the dark. That's why I bring this flashlight. Flashlights are immensely useful. You wouldn't believe how useful they are in a lot of different ways. And, and so make sure that you keep plenty of those with you. They're easy. They're portable. They're easy to transport and things like that. So you should have a little bit of a go kit, so to speak, a little traveling go kit. When I travel, uh, I take a lot of medications. Some of you might. Some of you might not. You're lucky if you don't. I do not take all of my medications with me if I'm traveling by myself. I figure that if the airlines loses my bag, I certainly don't want all of my medic- medication supplies being lost with that bag. I take about two or three days more than what I feel like I'm going to need. So if I'm going away for two days, I normally take four days worth of medicine. And what I do is I get little plastic bags and I label them nighttime and morning medicine because I normally I take my medications twice a day and so I have a bag for my morning medications and I have a bag for a separate bag for each of my evening medications and then they're marked by the day they're marked one two three or four depending on how many days I'm going to be gone and like I said I take an extra couple days so if God forbid my bags should get lost I'm only losing two days worth of Medication. I've seen people, in fact, I've been guilty of this. I've done this before. I just throw the whole bottle of medication in there and, and, and take it with me. You know, don't be, don't do that. It's the lazy way of doing it. And I just, and I've done it. I've done it. I'm going to say I've done it. And then I realize later, what a stupid move that was. And if I should happen to run out of the extra medication that I bring along, then, I mean, I, I use Walgreens as my pharmacy. I figure there's probably a pretty good chance, unless we're, unless we're in a, a stink-hit-the-fan situation that's really bad, I can probably get to a Walgreens and I can get, I can usually talk them into emergency supplies. Or I can get my wife or a friend to go to my house and... If FedEx and UPS is running, I can have them FedEx or UPS more medication to me. Again, I'm playing the odds here, but I think the odds are very good that I'm not going to need more than an extra couple days of medication. And that is, you know, if I should happen to get stranded, if my flight gets stranded, if there's bad weather and they cancel all flights, you know, as long as the flights aren't canceled for more than two days, I'm good on my medicine. So that's... A little thing that you might want to think about. I usually take a knife, at least one knife, sometimes two knives with me. Now, of course, knives have to go in checked luggage. If you are the kind of traveler where you are flying and all you take is carry-ons, you're probably not going to be able to get away with taking knives. You can take flashlights, but you're probably not going to be able to take knives. This is one of the disadvantages of being one of those flyers that carries on everything. I used to be that kind of a person, but then I realized, you know, I want to take more stuff. I can't be all that prepared if I expect to carry on 
everything because you're limited with what you can carry on and you're limited to the space and things like that. So I always have at least one checked bag. Yes, I know some airlines charge for that. Normally, 90% of the time I fly Southwest Airlines uh, because Southwest Airlines out of Texas is awesome. If you don't have Southwest Airlines readily available to you where you live, I'm I'm so sorry about that. But for, with them, two bags fly free. So I can check a lot of bags, and that makes it great. Also in my checked bags, it's it's a good idea, and you should think you know consider doing this too. A pair of pliers, a crescent wrench, and one Phillips and one flathead screwdriver. And, you know, just get a little container to put them in or wrap them up in a little bag and, you know, duct tape the bag uh, so that they don't fall out. And you can you can wrap it up pretty tightly so that it packs pretty well. If you're going to be gone a long time, that's not a bad idea. Now, when I travel for business, I've got these tools with me because oftentimes I have a demo case to demo my products that I sell. And so in my demo case that gets checked... I've got just some basic tools. But if you're not like me, if you're not a traveling salesperson like me, and you're not taking a demo case, you'd be surprised how, you know, you, there's some room to fit this into checked luggage. Again, you, you're going to have a problem if you're carrying on and you're trying to get screwdrivers and things like that through TSA. It's just probably not going to work. Also, another thing I carry is I carry plenty of ID in multiple spots. And uh, in other words, here's what I do. I've got a couple different concealed carry licenses. I have a Texas resident concealed carry license, and I have a Utah non-resident concealed carry license. And the the Texas one stays on me all the time, but the Utah non-resident is in a different bag. If something should happen to me, and people are going through my bags, and you know, let's say for example, for some reason I lose my wallet. But something happens to me and I can't speak or I'm not unconscious or whatever and they're going through one of my other bags, they may find the Utah concealed carry license and of course it because I'm a non resident, it's got my name and my San Antonio address on it, so they can at least identify me. It's very important that you be identifiable. If you have allergies to medication, it's a very good idea when you're traveling to wear a wristband or a necklace that states what you are allergic to. In case EMTs have to give you medical attention, you certainly don't want them giving you something that you're allergic to, right? So think about some of these basic things like this. You also might want to think about money. Now, I'm a big believer in cash. And I'm not going to make this information too public here. I'm not going to talk about how much cash I take with me and what I do with it. But I, I will tell you this. When I go on a trip and I take cash, and cash is king. Cash is king. Um, what if the system goes down and, and they can't process credit cards anymore for payments? But they'll take cash. you got to have some cash. I don't keep it all in one place. Bad, bad move to keep cash all in one place. Okay? Uh, if that bag gets lost or your wallet or purse gets lost, there goes all of your cash. If you got cash in two or three different places and you lose one, you've maybe only lost a half or a third of your cash. Just common sense stuff here. 
rooted in common sense, but you'd be amazed how many people don't think about this kind of stuff. The last thing I want to talk about in terms of travel preparedness is carry a written list, a written agenda as to just some generalities. What are you going to do in each place that you go to? How long do you expect to be there? And who you're going to see. And I'll tell you why you want to do that. Okay? If something happens to you, again, if you're unconscious, if you, well, God forbid, if you should be killed when you're traveling. That way, if somebody finds your agenda, and keep that agenda like in your purse or in your wallet, like on a a single folded up sheet of paper uh, with contact phone numbers. They can contact some of the people that you've seen in the past, if it happens to be, you know, in the middle of your trip, for example, and they can notify them. And they can use those people to notify your family members. And even if it's not as tragic as something like you dying, but maybe you are hurt, maybe you are sick, you, and, and you yourself may not have the capacity, the capacity to immediately communicate with family members. You might want to have family members written down on your little agenda sheet. Uh, or, if you don't want, if you want to keep those family members private, as long as you have uh, maybe some friends written down on that sheet. But also, the authorities can retrace your steps. And they can call the last person or the last two people or the last three people that you've seen, especially if you go missing. If you go missing, you know, they can find out, okay, well, when's the last time that you saw Bob? We, we, we see that he was at your place yesterday and he was someplace else the day before. You know, and they can start asking them questions and things like that. And it's one of the reasons why... And this is, again, I'm, I'm saying if you lose your bag. If you're, if you're abducted or kidnapped or something like that, uh, this, is, this is probably not going to apply. But if, you know, if, you're, if you're in a situation where you are sick, this is why I think it's very important um, to let them know where you were because it might give some of the doctors clues as to why you were sick. Maybe you were in a, a state or a part of the world um, w- where you might have caught something, okay? And and the doctors can look at that and say, oh, guess what? He spent three days in this place. Maybe he's come down with XYZ d- disease, and here's how we're going to try to diagnose that and maybe treat him for that. I don't mind having the names and numbers of my family members with me. I mean phone numbers. I don't mind that um, because I want my family notified. If something happens. So, just some simple things on travel preparedness. I may have more to say about this in future podcasts. But with that said, I, I hope that this week's episode or this you know, time that Joe and I have spent with you helps you realize that the, that the glass is half full. That attitude is vitally important. In fact, I think it should be in the top five of your preps your attitude. You could be sitting, you could be very, very well prepared, but if you got a lousy attitude, you probably won't be able to make the best of those preparations 
anyway. I hope you'll agree with me on that. And with that, thanks for listening to another episode of today's Survival Show. I'm Bob Main. I'm your host. It's my goal to help you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. By the way, before I let you go, please join the forum. Uh, Click the forum button. Sign up for the forum. Send me an email. Let me know that you did so I can approve your account. Give me your username. And if you like what I do on this show, I don't have any sponsors, but you can help me out if you're the kind of person that likes to um, make purchases on Amazon. Go to my Amazon store. You can find it at todayssurvival.com. And you can go to my Amazon store and you can make your Amazon purchases through my link. And I will earn a little extra money if you do that. Thanks for listening, folks. Catch you next time. Goodbye.